Hey, everybody. Welcome to Midwestern Spins. It's your boy, Taylor Fowler, TV, Fowler78 on Twitter. As always, joined by my trusty co-host, Matt Hagler. You can find him on Twitter at Hagler underscore Matt. What's going on, Matt? How's it going? Yeet. Doing great. Well, everybody, uh, whoever's been following us throughout the uh, last year or so, uh, this will be episode number 31. We've had a few bonus episodes sprinkled in here there, but we feel like this would be a good time for us to have a season finale. And as unfortunate as the timing is, I think that uh, this is probably the right thing for us, and we'll we'll plan on playing it by year and going over the summer and hope that you guys keep listening and maybe we'll grow our brand and uh, build into something greater so that you guys can listen to us talk about the Midwest and the Miami Dolphins. But for now... Uh, we just want to start off with, you know, my favorite thing, and uh, we've always had a featured charity on. And I think Peggy and I probably agree on this one. It's really difficult to nail down a charity this time of the year, especially with how many great causes that we've talked about between St. Jude Children's Hospital, Alex's Lemonade Stand, the Diabetes Foundation, American Heart Association. There's been so many cool charities that we've talked about, but something that's pretty near and dear to me, near and dear to most people is our, our ability to um, have entertainment and enjoy meals and go to restaurants and bars, be social. So as these coronavirus guidelines, uh, the CDC recommendations start to decrease, we start to be able to go out again and enjoy the great things that we have. I just ask all of you to make sure that you be conscious about where you go and what you do while you're out and about. And be kind and genuine to the people that are essentially risking their lives every day to go to work to service you. So if you go to a restaurant, make sure that you guys have enough money to give the server a tip. They haven't been working for a while. They're anxious to come back to work. And frankly, they're probably scared because of the amount of people that they're going to see uh, working with. Same thing with the bar, bartenders, things like that. So just be nice. Give to your local servers. If you can go out to eat, do it. I know that we're trying to support the local economy, and I'm a big proponent of mom and pop shops. So, you know, if you know a restaurant, your favorite restaurant's a local place, go check them out instead of going to Applebee's or these places that didn't have, you know, those abilities. So, got anything to add to that, Haggy? Sorry, I didn't mean to like steal the thunder and not let you talk for a little bit. Uh, no worries. Got a couple things. Um, this is actually episode 32 for our season finale. Yeet, yeet. Oh, uh, there we go. But in addition, if you're like, you know, like we feel like you kind of like are kind of copping out, not choosing an actual charity. I actually picked one just now that I didn't share with Taylor. Uh, it's called No Kid Hungry. Um, and it's exactly like it sounds. You, It feeds the hungry kids. Uh, you can find them at nokidhungry.org, and yeah. But I agree 100%. Like, tip your servers. Like, even if it's not like a uh, restaurant where you sit down, if you're still ordering takeout, make sure you tip them to um, just like spend that money, um, support the local economy as well. Hell yeah! No kids should be hungry ever. I will never understand that. Yep. I'm a big proponent of making school lunches free. So whatever you guys got to do in your local area, jump on board because I'm pushing for it in my local place. And I, I hope that it becomes a reality sooner than later. Yep. So, 
hundred percent. And because and a lot of kids now, because they're not in school, like they can't even the places that do offer free lunches or reduced lunches, they they can't really do it that much. Um, some school districts are stepping up and they're able to still work that program somehow. Um, more power to them, um, bless them. But yeah, for those who that can't, you know, no kid hungry. Love to see it. Love to see it. So I think with that being said, we need to move on and give our most heartfelt condolences to the Shula family and all of the Miami Dolphin organization and everybody that's been affected by the late, great Don Shula. I think we're a little late. Uh, today's the 11th. Uh, the Don passed away on the 4th, but I think that it's a good time to kind of reflect on the great career that this man had and how he established the Miami Dolphins as an absolute force in the NFL, especially after the AFL and NFL mergers. So rest in peace, Don, and you were the man. And I, I think we have a little bit of time to talk about it. So yeah, I want to start off by saying this. Don't get me wrong, because... My stance has been that the Dolphin fans of today need to live in the now and that it's kind of against the progress of living in the past. But like you told me, Haggy, there could be exceptions that you made. And putting respect... Taylor? I don't know. I lost him. He's got a whole rant thing. I don't know if you're hearing my end of it or if you're hearing his end of it. Um, so I'm just going to – we're Can just going to wait patiently. Yet? Oh, there you go. Can you hear me now? Yep. Yeah, it's that Midwestern internet, man. Yeah, it's – yeah, it's travesty. I'll probably just cut it out. We don't have enough uh, – we don't have enough uh, land cables to uh, make the server good for everybody, so we just gotta hop it. Uh, I have no idea what you heard and what you did it, but but might as well just uh, start from the beginning. Okay, like respecting Don Chula or just the stats. Oh, start with the stats. I think we're. We're just at the end of the respect, giving him respect, and then, boom. And who knows what side of the recording they're going to hear, so. Okay. Uh, I saw this stat on Twitter that said that the Miami Dolphins still have the seventh best wreck of all time and out of every NFL team. So, out of 32 NFL teams, the Dolphins have the seventh best win percentage. Me, and that was because of all the messed up people. To me, that boggles my mind because the Dolphins have not had good records since 1996, Don Shula's first year away. And just trying to compare, like, how spoiled the Dolphins fans have been in the past and now, it almost hurts to say that I'm a Dolphin. I can't imagine being on a team that had Dan Marino and Don Shula and not being able to pull it together. It just blows my mind that those two weren't able to get 
a Super Bowl ring. It doesn't make sense to me. But back to Don Shula. The man won twice as many games as he lost. He won 347 games. He coached in the NFL for 32 years and had 30 winning seasons. Yep. And now I know. Oh, go ahead. So, and I know that there's some people out here that are like, yeah, but that's all good. Like, but there's Super Bowl rings that belong to a different AFC team. That's why the other one is a GOAT. But you know what? Don Shula is the GOAT. Let's just be clear, right? More, more winning seasons. He's the winningest coach in NFL history. He had two Hall of Fame quarterbacks because apparently that matters. And he has the only undefeated season. The only perfect season. Johnny Unitas, Bob Greasy, and Dan Brown. Oh, he had Unitas too. Well, I don't. I was just counting at the time with the Dolphins, but. Oh. But yeah. Well, Unitas well, too. So while you're talking about while you're talking about quarterbacks, Don Shula also coached five different quarterbacks to the Super Bowl. No other coach has more than two. Hmm. Amazing. Yeah. Absolutely remarkable. And it, it just, the longevity too is something to be said as well. Because I feel mm-hmm. like we're used, we're used to having a coach for three and a half years. We're used to having a coach for one season. Uh, mm. We It's having the same coach for 25 years and having a winning record. 30 out, of 32, 30, 30 out of 32 seasons. We can't even string together two winning seasons in a row. Yep. I mean, we just we just celebrated a 5-11 and 11 season. You might have lost service, maybe? I have full bars right now. That's really weird. I wonder if I just hung up. Well, no, because then I accepted your your call and it it dropped again. Okay, I'm on that's Wi-Fi, really so whatever. Skype elite right now. Right. Anyway, I was just saying that it's been twelve years. Two thousand eight was the year that we went eleven and five. Yeah. We went 10 and 6 in 2016. Yeah. We haven't had a season better than that. It's been 12 in 12 years we've had two winning seasons. Yeah. And the 2007 was 1 and 15. We've also gone five and eleven, six and ten, seven and nine, eight and eight. Nick Saban went nine and seven. Yep. I'm just. I don't. It blows my mind. But while we're on the topic of uh, you know like improving and things like that, I think that we're in a really cool, unique situation. So, 
obviously we drafted Tua at number five, and his expectations are through the roof because Dolphins fans, for some reason, still feel the need to have high expectations for their team. I'm on the low expectations gang gang now. I feel like it's okay to have some expectations, not none, but they're going to still have to prove something to me. Right. But I just want to make the statement that Dan Marino was not given the keys to Don Shula's offense. He had to earn his starting spot throughout the season. Yep. And I think I said a couple weeks ago that I'm okay if Tua starts as a rookie. I feel like that's okay. But he has to earn his job. He can't just get it to get it. And I almost feel like that's kind of what happened with Rosen. Is they just threw him in there to see how he would do rather than making him earn it. Mm-hmm. So if, if we go into the season with a three-quarterback room, which I don't see why not. Josh Rosen, first-round draft pick. Tua Tungavailoa, first-round draft pick. Ryan Fitzpatrick, journeyman, veteran, starter that can teach people. Mm-hmm. It makes sense to me to have a quarterback competition between the three of them. And right. the idea of competition should raise the elevation of play. So whatever it takes to elevate the play throughout the players on this team is what needs to happen. Too yep. often do we find ourselves having players in the NFL that know they're good and they get to play because they know they're good. I don't think that that's the way to win. And I kind of feel like that's kind of how those gross people from the Northeast run their franchise is that it doesn't matter who's on the team. They have to be good to play. Right. So I feel like that's how we should move. And as it's, it's really unfortunate because we've brought in so many former New England Patriots and we have a former New England Patriots staff member as our head coach. We're going to be stuck on that man- mantra for a long time that we need to be, you know, do it the Patriot way. But I really hope Brian Flores does something that reinvents himself as, hey, this is the Miami Dolphins team, not a South New England Patriots. Yep. That's what I want to see as well. I like, know. I don't want to be the Patriots. Like, have their success? Sure. Who doesn't? But, like, I've been rooting against the Patriots my whole life. I don't want to start now. Or rooting for them now. Correct. But, what do I know? That's true. So, Haggy, before we finish up this season... Do you have any, like, closing comments on how you would want this team to move forward throughout the offseason and what you would like to see to give you some kind of glimmer of hope for success uh, prior to the season starting? Listen, I think it's great that they went and they got Emmanuel Ogba, um, I'm not very. I'm not very high on Kyle Van Noy. Um, I like Shaq Lawson, but if they could, honestly, they could trade one of their um, 
next year's first round picks for Yannick, and I would be through the roof, like dancing on the streets, like happy, because he is, like I've mentioned before, a young and very talented pass rusher that would give the Dolphins the bite that they need to make themselves an elite defense. Like that's the only piece they're missing on the defense. They've got some good pass rushers that would be complimentary, but if they got themselves an elite pass rusher like Yannick, it would be it'd be game over. Like lights out. But like that's the only thing that I want to see them like do specifically. But um for the season I just you know, I hope that there is one and that we get to see Honestly, like, I'd love it if we got to see Rosen, Fitzpatrick, and Tua, and Malcolm Perry play quarterback. Because that would be fun. And I want to have fun this year as well. I think Malcolm Perry is a really good X factor that a lot of people are kind of overlooking. Which makes sense because he's a uh, seven-pound and they usually don't play out the best. But it's going to be interesting. I think the thing that I'm looking forward to the most, and I might be far-fetched in asking for this because of the poor success that we've had. I just want an offensive line unit that gels well together. I don't That'd be nice. care. I don't care if we have one standout player anymore. We had Laramie Tunsil on the squad, and our offensive line was still ranked bottom three. You know, we yeah. arguably had the best left tackle in the league, and our offense was still that bad. So, even if our guys are ranked in the bottom 20 to some kind of garbage PFF or ESPN rating, which I think they all are, I just want to see an offensive line, line unit that can gel. I want to see a coaching staff that can make t- t- players act as a team and I want to see the Dolphins start to establish the run again that'd be great like when I was young I watched Ricky and Ronnie do their thing and I think there was a season where they both had over a thousand yards rushing on the same team and that was so awesome to see Ricky Williams had 1800 yards one season I want to. I would love to see something like that. I hate that our leading rusher last year was a 35-year-old veteran quarterback who got all of his yards from scrambling out of a pocket that collapsed. That just doesn't mm-hmm. make sense to me. But with that being said, I'm curious to see how well we utilize our running back group. Last year we didn't like. We had Kenyon Drake who tore it up for the Cardinals, gave him the rock. Like ah, we don't want Kenyon Drake anymore, so they got rid of him. And then we trade for Matt Breida, which I think is a great move and might be my favorite. I would say this pick of the draft other than Tua trading a fifth round draft pick for Matt Breida was something else and something that caught me off guard. But Chris Greer has done a lot of really cool moves that haven't quite played out yet, but we don't really know. So that might be something awesome. I think, Signing Jordan Howard and free agency was a really good move, too. Mm -hmm. So between those two, I feel like we finally have some kind of duo 
that can give us something to look forward to. And yeah. then these dudes, these dudes that they've drafted to play offensive line are all just absolute monsters. And if Brian Flores is bringing this physical team to South Beach and just wants big dudes that play hard knock football, I think that's the first step because you can't teach size. You can't True. quite teach athleticism. You can teach technique and you can get better with you know football knowledge, but you cannot teach athleticism and strength and size. Those are just things that are naturally gifted. So mm-hmm. I'm looking forward to that. I'm also looking forward to another year of maturity for Preston Williams. Uh, I think that he kind of kind of got the short end of the stick on Twitter not too long ago, but uh, <laughs> oh, he didn't even know better either, and he's just he's just so happy to be alive, and he just gets destroyed. It was just trying to enjoy his morning nut and got destroyed. But the guy is a big, physical, athletic receiver. And we saw what Devontae Parker was capable of. And I feel like we started to see what Preston Williams was capable of. Those two on the boundary might be something else that Mm -hmm. we haven't seen in Miami in a long time. And we've had a lot of great uh, wide receivers come and go. But nothing like the potential that those two have. Especially if Mike Gesicki comes along. Man, it's going to be fantastic. Yeah, And then with Albert Wilson restructuring his contract, I think that goes to show that he was willing to play in Miami and he wants to be able to prove his worth. So I think Miami approached him and was like, hey, man, you really didn't earn this. So we're not going to pay you as much, but we might in the future if you earn it. So Mm -hmm. if Albert Wilson can kind of go back to what he was for those first three games in that season a few years ago, that might mm-hmm. be, might be something else, and I know that Tank is probably rolling over in his bed right now, really pissed <laughs> off about Dan, but trying to keep the expectations low and showing that, you know, Albert Wilson's on a prove it deal now, that's going to open things up. I'm kind of curious to see what they do with Hearns and Jakeem, though, just a, a little goofy. And honestly, out of all of the wide receivers outside of Preston Williams and, uh. Devontae Parker, I'm I'm pretty stoked for Kurt Merrick. I think Kirk Merrick's going to be something else, too, because he's almost a clone to Preston Williams and Devontae Parker. So three big dudes that can just out-jump everybody, that seems like a good building block. And that, yeah. might, just be, that might just be following along with Flores' take of, you know, let's just build a physical team and try to teach them how to play together. Maybe that's my dream. Maybe that's that's what I'd want to see is Brian Flores establish a team that's going to be physical and play hard and just start to beat people up up front and allow all the other logistics to come with it. Maybe that's a good starting point. I don't know. Well said. I like it. Yeah, I I'd love to see all that too. I good gosh, if he doesn't use his running backs this year. My Fire Flores tweets are not going to be sarcastic. <laughs> I'll tell you that. But I am, again, as I said on this podcast earlier, I'm cautiously optimistic. 
about Brian Flores. Um, and I am really, I'm really just excited to see how the level of like the difference in the level of play between us and last year's team. And now it's just going to be something else. Well, satisfying. That's it. It's going to be satisfying. Even if we lose. I think you're right. So I just kind of want to, I'm onto something here that I don't know if I realized and, you know, just maybe follow along for a second, but we keep talking about, I've been bringing up like these physical teams, right? Physical players. So we brought in these big dudes to play offensive line. We know that Xavier Howard is a physical man-to-man corner. Mm-hmm. We just signed Byron Jones in the offseason, a physical man-to-man corner. One of our first-round draft picks, Noah, from Auburn, a physical man-to-man corner. So kind of staying along those same guidelines, our defensive backs are, you know, they, they are following that characteristic of we're going to play physical football and we're going to try to make people beat them one-on-one type of thing. Um, mm. We drafted Brandon Jones in the third round to play safety, who's six feet, 205. A lot bigger than Bobby McCain. But if he's if he's a big physical dude, that, that might follow along. And same thing, the reason why Eric Rowe changed from corner to safety not only did it link up with him better, but he was able to be a little bit more physical as a safety. You know, his job was, you know, he was a better tackler than he was covering. So I would not be mad if Brandon Jones started that safety over Bobby McCain with Eric Rowe. And then our three cornerbacks were those three physical man-to-man guys. It just seems like it's starting to add up. You know, uh, Emmanuel Ogba is a guy that took a lot of heat off of Chris Jones in, in Kansas City. Uh, Shaq Lawson played against a couple guys that were, you know, really good at defensive tackle. So I'm just, I, I feel like we should start be, we should start seeing a trend here soon. Last year, we, the only trend we saw was that they were throwing these JV players out there to play varsity ball and they were starting to do well. But now that Flores is starting to establish a system and starting to shoot for something that he wants, I feel like it's going to be a physical team. And I hope that's how we build. Cause I feel like, the Baltimore Ravens are the team that I've always wanted the F- Dolphins to be, and maybe that's maybe that's something they're going towards. I don't know. So I'd, I'd say I agree with all that. I think it's not only physicality, it's versatility, which is a lot of what we saw. And maybe part of the reason why Minka didn't fit was besides anything that Matt says, but he wasn't as physical. He was more of a finesse-type player which is fine. You know, that fits in different places. Um, but what I'm, I'm, I really would like to see Brandon Jones start as well. Um, I think he's, he's a good kid, good head on his shoulders. And I think that he is going to, I think he'd be a great compliment to Eric Rowe. He's got range and he's got ball skills. So let's get it. I like it. I like it a lot. 2018, 70 tackles, five and a half for sack for a loss, 10 interceptions, or sorry, two interceptions and only 10 starts. Mm. The year, year before that, he had 61 tackles, four for a loss, broke up two passes. Mm-hmm. 
I mean, so – oh, go ahead. Keep going. Senior year, 86 tackles, which is great for a safety. Four and a half for a loss, one sack, two interceptions, four pass breakups. And he had a shoulder injury throughout that time. Mm-hmm. So – He's also a kick returner too. God, I hope Jakeem figures that out. Yeah, but yeah, so Brandon Jones was a punt and kick returner, so that's good. Versatile again. Um, I was watching the uh, Texas versus Oklahoma game, um, and he read Jalen Hurts like a book and like undercut a route as a safety and made a nice play on the ball and made the interception, and it was pretty good. Like, he, he knew what what Hurts was thinking, and he made a pay. I mean, the, overall, the Texas the Longhorns lost, but you know, I, I remember like finishing that game and thinking, or finished watching that game and thinking, man, I want that one safety on my team. Like the dude, the dude played really well and it, it might not show up in the stats, but it, uh, it showed up on film in my opinion. Anyone that goes to Texas or Oklahoma can tell you that's one of the biggest games of the year. Yep, definitely. Oh, man. I just... It's going to be hard this season, you know, waiting for it because I feel like the hype is is big right now. Uh, Two is the highest-selling jerseys right now, number one and number two. If that goes to show how excited people are to have... Uh, a big name quarterback in Miami again, and I just I I feel like it's something that we deserve to an extent, mm-hmm. but at the same time, it, it's I've I've seen how poorly we've we've expected our quarterbacks to prepare, and I think that Tua is probably the first quarterback that hasn't been expected to be the next Marino. They're they're treating him as, you know, hey, this is this is Tua Tungavailoa. This isn't the next coming. This is a new guy who's going to come in and is going to do well, and he's going to bring something to the table that we haven't seen before. Mm-hmm. It's, not too often that, it's not too often that rookies are in the favor of Nick Saban. And he came in and saved the day in a national championship on the biggest stage against the best team in the league in college, of all of college football and just absolutely dropped dimes. So it's there, and he has something else that we haven't seen before. And and it might be that thing that we see in quotes, the it factor. But I think a quarterback coming in and being a leader that we need and being able to kill people with a smile on their face is something that is going to be remarkable to watch. Mm-hmm. Now I want to say two things about that whole speech that you did. First of all, again, Dolphins fans, let's not get ahead of ourselves. I know we're excited, but if we put too much pressure on the kid, he's going to fail. But secondly, why are you buying that jersey? you got to wait for the throwbacks. They're going to look way better, you dummies. Man, I just... Speaking Am of I jerseys, wrong, though? Is, is, no, is you're not, not. It's going to look sexy as hell in a throwback, way better than the other jerseys. But I guess uh, waste your throwback, money. Uh, the throwback whites are going to be so fly, and I cannot wait to see them. Honestly, I'm kind of hoping that Garfinkel is just holding out 
and is like, yeah, we're going back to throwbacks like week one preseason is when they released the new jerseys. And then that's what they wear the rest of the season. See, that'd be great, but they're like contractually obligated to to stick with the regular jerseys until I think it's like four years or something like that. Maybe yeah, six. I'm pretty sure that I think they're due. To, I think they can update the jerseys this year. They updated them a year or two ago. No, they no, I don't think so. They did. It was when we had Amendola on the team. Are you what sure? We did. Yeah, because like 2012, 2013-ish, well, 2013, I think, was when they got the new one, the, the new look logo type, right? And they had a blue outside, like a navy blue-like um, outline on the numbers, and they took that away in the redo like two years ago, in like 2018. Which I agree. I would love to see them just do that, or to make the 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 regular ones look even more new or more throwbackish. Which someone put a an edit on Twitter and it looked great, and they put like the stripes on it, and I was pretty stoked on that. But it's it's going to be a little while, unfortunately. Fair enough. Sorry to piss in your Cheerios. Two thousand sixteen. <laughs> No, I'm... What the hell? And I you think, don't I think that? that would be cool. I, I don't think that they changed them up enough to not be able to do it this year. I think it's I think any sort of change. No, because they changed between 2015 and 2016. When did it change then? I don't know what they changed, but they changed something. Either way, it doesn't... It doesn't quite matter. I would, What I was trying to get towards was whatever needs to happen, there needs to be some kind of Don Shula memorial on the jerseys from here on out. Oh, that'd be great. I'm 100% with it. I know if, that the Bears do one for their original owner. So I would be all for it. Either that or they need to change the stadium name to be like Don Shula Field at Hard Rock Stadium. That'd be cool. There needs, be, there needs to be something there. And I'm actually – it's like one thing that I'm, I'm looking forward to is uh, seeing what the Dolphins do at their first home game to honor Don Shula. Yeah, and it's going to be right off the bat, I think. No, no, they go to New England first. Never mind. So, so Buffalo is the first home game. So that would be cool. It'd be great to see them in the throwbacks, the the aqua ones, and well, no, it's gonna be an afternoon game. We don't want to be, we don't want to do that, but maybe later in the season we'll go throwback versus throwback. We'll see it, but I mean, I just, I think that this has been a really cool adventure for us. I think. Talking about the Midwest and Miami Dolphins in 2019, 2020 has been really awesome. I'm really looking forward to whatever it may be. I'm always going to be a Dolphins fan, and I <laughs> and don't plan on changing that anytime soon. But Same here. You guys can always catch us on Twitter. We'll still have uh, our Twitter handle available, but I think that we're going to be taking a small break so we can get some things figured out on our end, and then, of course, we don't want to – spoil you guys with a bunch of nonsense 
Right. So, as always, thank you all for listening to us. Uh, as Haggy said earlier, episode number 32 is this one. Season finale, season finale of Midwestern Fins. You can find me on Twitter at Ballard78. Uh, don't forget to check out our charity of the week, nokidhungry.org. And if you guys are going out and about and uh, um, spending time and money outside of your home environment, just make sure that you treat people with generosity and kindness. Um, be sincere. And if you guys have enough money to go out to eat, you have enough money to tip your servers. So I appreciate being your co-host, Matt. You've been really awesome to me. I appreciate you being mine as well and vice versa. You know, same sentiment. <laughs> Fair enough. All right. We love you guys. Take care. Peace out, everybody. <laughs>